Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Golf Smarter Mulligans, number 38. I'm Fred Green. For the next two episodes, our guest is Darren G., senior coach of the Spirit of Golf Academy in Waikoloa, Hawaii. In these conversations, we break down his book, The Seven Principles of Golf, point by point. Actually, this episode is principles one through three, and we'll discuss four through seven next week. Now, why I enjoy talking to Darren is that his Spirit of Golf Academy offers a complete approach to golf, blending the mental game with your natural swing. The program has helped over 10,000 golfers, from pure beginners to seasoned golf pros. It helps them change the way they approach golf and actually, in a lot of ways, their lives. So for more, check out spiritofgolfacademy.com, and I'll leave that link in the show notes. Also, at the time of this recording, there's a $50 off coupon for the Academy, so you might want to check it out soon. Golf Smarter Mulligans is brought to you by TwoGuysWithGolfBalls.com. What can I tell you about buying golf balls? You don't really need to buy new golf balls, do you? Have you been? It's really a lot of money for golf balls, sometimes over $4 a ball, right? Well, the thing is, when you go to TwoGuysWithGolfBalls.com, you're going to get quality just as good as if it was a brand new ball, except it's been hit maybe once? That's the thing. They have resources all over the United States where they get used balls that have been found in the woods, in the water, or wherever, and then they hand inspect each one and then they grade them for quality. The Eagle quality ball is similar to a brand new ball. No seconds, no X outs, no reprints. There may be some marks on the ball, but they're not marks of wear. They may be a logo or even whoever lost it, their own personal mark. I personally have a circle all the way around it and a dot. You're going to be so pleased with getting these balls, the Eagle quality balls. You're going to pay sometimes less than half price of a brand new ball. And you'll only do that at twoguyswithgolfballs.com. And if you're a Golf Smarter listener, which you obviously are, or a Golf Smarter Mulligans listener, you're going to get an additional 10% off every time with every order, no matter how many times you order. That offer expires on April 1, 2020. 
Again, use Golf Smarter at checkout to get that additional 10% off from twoguyswithgolfballs.com. Welcome, Darren. Aloha, Fred. How are you? Aloha, my friend. I'm I'm Howley. Is that okay? I'm like, <laughs> that's okay. I'm a you, mainlander. That and, sounded pretty good there. Good enough for you to come out and visit us here on the Big Island. Which I would love to do on a regular basis. And being on the West Coast, it should be a lot easier for me, shouldn't it? That's a quick flight. <laughs> yeah, it's quick only flight. four hours. In yeah. fact, you can hop on the uh, 1 o'clock and be here by 3 o'clock, and we could be teeing up by 4. Still get in nine holes. <laughs> You're on the way. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm sorry. I came back to say I'm out the door. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I thought I had you go in there for a second, Darren. You have a fascinating story, um, and thank you for for letting me review your book and your videos before we talked. You bet. Um, and I, I really enjoyed The Seven Principles of Golf. It's not like you're saying anything that's new or different, but I do like the way that you said it. You really synthesized it in a very nice way and made it very clear. Um, but you have a interesting story yourself about how you became a frustrated golfer. Can you share that with us to start? Sure, sure. Um, well, I started playing golf when I was a freshman in college. I took an intramural class, and with that very first swing, just fell in love with the game. And, uh, you know, over the years, my game steadily improved. It kind of went up and down. You know how everyone experiences that. Oh, yeah. uh, but it got to the point where I thought I was getting very close to the best I'd ever be able to play or my potential. But instead of reaching that, that uh, top level of my game, I started to flatten out my ability. And then I went south because I lost trust and I lost confidence in my swing. And I, that's when I started to tinker with it. And I started to read a lot of books and magazines and manuals and listen to any opinion on the driving range. And, and, tried and to, podcasts. Oh, you didn't have podcasts. Oh, yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> well, I don't think, were you, were you doing that way back then? No, no. I'm pretty old, so. Yeah, we both are, yeah. There were no podcasts. But you see, I don't if you think only they had, had that. They, don't if, have, they didn't have computers back then. No, either, they didn't. So. If you only had podcasts, you would not have had these problems. That's right. I would have been sol- it would have been solved a long time ago. <laughs> but, but as a result, my game went south. I got frustrated, um, and I ended up quitting the game, saying, forget this, uh, it's just too much, you know. Because uh, I knew I could play well, but I, it wasn't happening for me. And I took about a four- or five-month break, which was a long time for me to, you know, not pick up a club. And when I returned to the game, I started just working on my mental game, how to get myself to relax, get myself to focus and concentrate and eliminate the distractions. And that's when my game took a stair-step leap in how I was playing. And what I noticed was the thing that I was doing was I wasn't going through a checklist in my mind about, you know, my elbow or my head or my knees or anything like that. I was simply allowing my body to do what it already knew how to do, and that's make good, solid golf shots. And that was the birth, if you will, of the seven principles of golf. Okay. Well, you know, I think that there's many people that can relate to that kind of story <laughs> yeah, and that so. kind of frustration. <laughs> Uh, and I also, <laughs> if, if you don't mind, I'd like to apologize uh, for you to everyone who lives e- in the eastern seaboard and northeast of the United States and in Europe. Because when you said, oh, I took four or five months off and that's a long time, <laughs> they do that every year. Yes, I understand. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I can't imagine That's being why they forced. need to visit us here in Hawaii <laughs> during those four or five months. That's right. They that's are more than welcome to do that. <laughs> I, I can't imagine taking four or five months off every single single year yeah that's oh. tough well i i lived in the i lived in the midwest for some time okay a couple of years and uh yeah it, it is it is frustrating it is frustrating but you know what you get especially your when you're the only start. guy you're the only guy walking around with a hawaiian shirt in the that's midwest. right 
<laughs> they're like, what are you doing out here in 30 below weather? I, you got me, you know. So I was in the first plane back to Hawaii after that. But, uh, yeah, you actually swing. You learn to swing clubs inside the house. You learn to watch DVDs and videos and, and read, read about golf to keep your mind fresh about it. So. Right. So the uh, the book is the Seven Principles of Golf. Then you have the DVDs are putting and full swing. Yes. Um, and, but all of it is centered around the idea of mastering the mental game of golf. Yeah, and to me that you know, and we all know it. We all say it. And golf is ninety percent mental, and yet uh, you ask people. You know, how much of your time or practice do you ever dedicate towards that side of the game? And, and most people say none. In fact, uh, I know that at a PGA conference out in Florida, they interviewed, you know, they polled everyone in a big conference. You know, these are all teaching pros. How many people think it's more mental than physical? Everyone raised their hand, and they asked how many people work on mental more than physical. Nobody raised their hand. Interesting. And uh, I knew right there, you know, with my experience and, and the kind of information like that coming out, that this was something that, people needed and wanted they just didn't know how to get it so like you said before the concepts that i'm that i'm ch- sharing and teaching are universal um, but what i've done is made it very practical simple easy to use for any level player so whether you're a pure beginner you could pick up the book and and gain some facts if you're a pga tour player you can do the same and i've worked with you know jerry kelly and he he said that what we're teaching is what every golfer needs to have in their learning process and you take a holistic approach. Yeah, holistic. When, and the word holistic to me describes a little of everything. It's uh, you know having the balance of your your physical game, your me- mechanics, your mental game. Um, really, you know, being in shape. Uh, a lot of people. It's funny, you know, when they go out and they play golf and and. You know, they're not in the best shape in the world, and they, they, they wonder why they're not shooting 72. And, uh, you know, they're trying to, to determine what your personal goals are and then how you can get and you can reach that. And uh, it's all, you know, a lot of different elements to the game to do that. I found that some people's expectations, I receive emails and I talk to people, and the expectations are awfully high that they think that it won't be that long between the time they break 100 and the time they break 80. Um, how do we break it to them that it's not that simple? <laughs> well, it's really, it's, it, I, to me, it looks, it's the individual. And uh, it depends on, I always tell people or ask them, you know, what do you want? And a lot of times when I ask that question open-ended, you get the deer in the headlights <laughs> look because they don't know what they really want in the game or what they want to achieve. So I think that's first and foremost. If they really, truly want to, Break a 80 and they're shooting 100 right now, and uh, then it's then becoming you know creating a plan to achieve it. So moving from A to B, not just thinking it's going to happen like that. But I think the most important thing is that they need to have very clear cut vision and goals for what they want to achieve, and then create a plan to achieve it. Uh, and a big part of that is is again your mental game, how you look at it, how you approach the game, uh, looking at the overall holistic approach to it, so that you can have an all around game. And like, uh, as you talk about in the book, when you're on, on the tee box, it's picking a target, right? I mean, that's it's right. really in more than one way. And, and a lot of the stuff that you talk about is on and off the course, um, mental game approach. Yeah. To me, when people email me three, four months later after taking our program or reading the book or watching the DVD and saying, you know, this has had an incredible impact on my game, but more importantly, it's impacted how I live my life. To me, that's more gratifying and satisfying, and that happens all the time because these same seven principles, things like balance 
and uh, visualization and having rituals that you can use to help you achieve peak performance apply as much off the golf course as on the golf course. So professional success, personal success, certainly these seven principles will work for that. And you can replace the word golf with almost everything, anything, really. And I've been asked to already adapt these seven principles to other sports, to life in general, to business, because they really do apply. And you came from a business background, right? Yeah, actually, I didn't get into the golf industry until moving out here to Hawaii back in 2000. Prior to that, I was working in the corporate world. Uh, I was in marketing, strategy, and sales for uh, consumer products companies. And then I went back on my MBA at Northwestern and then went to um, work as a uh, consultant, strategy consultant, as a consultant across across the world, really. So I worked with all kinds of companies, and I could see that in organizations where the top people were being successful, they all had that same approach as what we're teaching in the Seven Principles. They had balance in their lives. They focused on what they really wanted to achieve, and they had a plan to get there. And then execution after that was really easy. It's really determining what you want and how you're going to get there. That's the tough part. And the same thing in golf. A lot of times people step to the tee, like you mentioned. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't know where they, what they want to achieve. They don't know where, you know, they just want to hit the ball down, the, down there. <laughs> and then it goes all over the place. What I tell people is, let's talk about what our goal is here. We want to end up with our ball right there at that very single spot to set up your next shot. So that's the shot you want to create. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Interestingly enough, I've been playing a lot with my son recently, who's uh, been home for the summer, and he, you know, he's just starting to play, and he got bit badly. Oh, man. <laughs> he's got the bug. He has got the bug. But <laughs> I, I tell him to, yeah, because I'm having so much fun with him. But um, we, I talk about picking a target. I said, find a place to hit it, and he says, I just want to be able to hit it. You know, I just want to hit it squarely. And it's like, yeah, you'll do that too if, but picking a target is really that important. Yeah, it, it really is. Otherwise, you, you could hit it, yeah, but wh- where is it going to go? Right. I think a lot of people focus on the ball and it's where it's located now rather than where they actually want to be. And a lot of times what that does is it prevents them from actually achieving the end goal. So it's really important to do that when you're on the green. Same thing. You know, a lot of people hit a putt, and I ask them, and they miss it. You know, maybe they'll miss the putt, and they get all mad, and I ask them, before you actually hit the ball, what did you have in mind? What was your goal? And they think about it, and the answer I get nine out of ten times is, uh, I just wanted to get it close. And when they say that, I say, well, congratulations, you're creating exactly what you want. So I tell them they have to up-level their game and say, I want the ball in the hole, because that is really the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, you've talked about four or five things that I wrote notes down that I wanted to go over. <laughs> and if we can... Um, I'd really like to uh, go over the seven principles of golf. I'd love to get some tips and, and advice from you because the book is full of that stuff. Uh, where where do we start at number one? Well, sure. Well, just I want to say about the book, the, it's really simple. That was my goal, yeah. to make it as simple and practical as possible. And 
you know, there are a lot of other tools out there. And, and my frustration was that I wanted something that I could follow step by step. So I really made it a step by step process. And, uh, and it just happened to turn out to be seven principles that people can follow one by one. So, well, congratulations because you set out a goal and you achieved it. <laughs> Yeah, there now, you go. No, now that's interesting what you just said. Does that mean that you didn't know you were going to have seven before you wrote the book? I did not. I oh, literally so did you not didn't? know there were seven. In fact, you, you know there didn't were. didn't have a goal before you got started. <laughs> well, I knew there was going to be a process. Uh-huh. And uh, when I wrote them down, I actually wrote this book prior to even coaching anyone. And it, it, it took about a week. It just flowed right out of me. And. Uh, I put it on the shelf, and then three years after coaching, I added in, went back and added in anecdotes from folks who have taken the clinic so that you can relate to them. But uh, it, it was really easy to do, and originally there was, you know, I think I wrote it out, and I, I, there, there were six, I think, six principles. And I went for a walk. I go, there's something missing. And literally, I went for a walk in, in, down the beach here in Hawaii, and the seventh principle just popped right up there. So I knew there was something missing. Once I got that, I knew it was set. So was it number seven, or was it number four, or which one was missing? I think, I don't remember, I think it was number five, actually. Number five came in, it was like, there it is. Awesome. So uh, then let's go over those seven principles. Um, maybe we'll do three this time, and we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how far we can get along here. You but, bet, you bet. Uh, where would you start? Well, always at the beginning, always at the beginning. The Good first start. principle is called getting grounded or finding your balance. And Huge. to me... Yeah, balance is the foundation of the swing, the foundation of everything you think about it. Um, I see a lot of beautiful swings every day, and I'm sure everyone does when they go out to the golf course see some beautiful swings. Um, but every now and then you see those swings accompanied by a lack of balance. Maybe someone's leaning too far backwards or forwards or left or right, and that causes them to mishit the ball. So what we tell people is that first and foremost, before you even think about swinging the club, is make sure you're rooted and grounded and uh, balanced. And once you have that, then everything else starts to fall into place. If you don't have that, then you're kind of working with a shaky foundation, sort of like, you know, a house. Shaky foundation, shaky house. But if you have a strong foundation, everything else builds from there. I found that out on my own. I'm so glad that you confirmed for me. Just a week or so ago, I realized that I was really on my heels when Mm -hmm. when I was getting myself ready. And tried to put a little more pressure, a little more weight on the front of my feet and balance my body. And I, from that moment on in that round, I was hitting the ball beautifully all Great. day long. I'm glad to hear that that helped. Yeah, and I tell people, if you think about it, in every other sport, baseball, basketball, tennis, you name it, you talk about being balanced, you're always kind of standing on more of the ball of the foot, a little bit more forward. And and I ask people, why did, why is that so? And most people say, well, that way I can move in any direction. I don't know where you know, my opponent's going or where the ball's going. I go, precisely, you can move in any direction. You're in the perfect balanced position. And I say, well, why in golf do you, don't, do you do something different? And they're like, I don't know. I said, let's try it. And then immediately you can see the impact just like that. Yeah. You said before about the people, they focus on the ball. They're yes. focused on the ball. Uh, should we focus more on the ball just being in the middle part of our swing? I mean, is it more of a swing focus we should concentrate on? What I tell people is that in terms of the process, the seven principles is, number one, you've got to know what you want. And once you say, you know, I want my ball here, and you, you visualize how you're going to get there, I'm kind of skipping over to the third principle. Oops. Um, then it's all about letting your body take over. So finding your balance, 
having you know the grip that feels comfortable and then letting it go not having any extraneous thoughts in between so a lot of people say well what do you think about when you swing the club i go ideally nothing if you can keep your mind completely blank then what you have what's happening is that you're allowing your body to do what it already knows how to do is remember remember those good good shots and uh, the second you start going through a checklist then you're you're competing you know kind of that left brain right brain you know your analytical side and your your free movement side start to conflict. So what I tell people is minimize the number of thoughts. And, and again, that's in, a, in a, one of the principles that we get to. That's the fourth principle, ritual. But um, what we can do is we can work our way towards those, and I can get into more detail when we get to that. Go for it. Okay, so well, the second principle is about feel. And feel is all about how you connect with the golf club. And a lot of people, you know, when they grip a club, I asked them on a scale from 1 to 10, what is your grip pressure? And we've heard the whole thing, everything from 1 to 10 and everything in between. And people think, well, what should it be? And to me, it's about finding what should be for you. You've got to find your own individual connection to the club. And for some people, it's holding it real light. Some people holding it more medium or even you know, higher. I tell people, experiment with it. Don't just stick with five or three because that's what you think it is. Um, experiment till you find what works. And what I find is the majority of the folks that I've worked with benefit from having a lighter grip pressure. And what that does is it frees them up a little bit. With a death grip, all the muscles tighten up. They lose that free motion and that freedom that everyone can achieve in the swing. So most people end up lightening up. Um, that being said, I've had a few people that, you know, they're better at an 8 or 9 even, and that's where they play their best. So I get to tell people, find that grip pressure that feels perfect for you. That in combination with having a solid foundation, that balance, that's when you get the most out of your golf swing. You have this the combination or juxtaposition of strength, that balance, and flexibility with the light upper body. So do you don't have a recommended grip uh, rating for, I mean, like if I, if I were to say, yeah, I'm about a six in my grip, um, it's like you're squeezing too tight still. No, I think it's, it's really up to the individual. Mm. Um, that's something that you need to experiment with. And in the book, it talks about how you can do that. I literally tell people to uh, go through and hit, you know, t- take, make 10 swings with the 10 different grip pressures from one to 10. And determine, without thinking too much, which one felt the best. Mm-hmm. And which one felt where, yeah, that really was enough. And what I always like to describe it as being light, but not too light. Mm-hmm. A grip pressure that's light, but if it feels like you, you know, it's slipping out of your hands too much or you're losing control, then that's probably too light and then go up a half a notch. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, and then it, on the other end, if you get a grip pressure and then you go up you know, from, a, say, a three to a four, and four feels like, oh, that's more than I need, then probably you're better off at a three. So it's really about calibrating, and it's a self-assessment. I can't do it for anybody. I just help them and guide them to find that. And once they find it, then I say that's what you want to stick with on a consistent basis. And that's really important because a lot of times people, when they get nervous, uh, they're in a pressure situation, they feel rushed from people behind, what happens naturally is that grip tightens up and they lose that fluidity in the swing, and they don't get the, you know, the quality that they're looking for in their shot. So it's really that combination going to uh, finding something that's just about right and then being able to be consistent with it. Excellent. Yeah. Now, the third principle is called visualizing the shot. And to me, that's all about what we've already been discussing several times uh, during our conversation today, is that what people often do when they step up to a ball is just say, I'm just going to hit it. Or I, you know, like, uh, like you mentioned, your son says, I just want to connect. And that doesn't really get them to what their ultimate goal is. 
So what we, we tell people is, first and foremost, you've got to know what you want. So visualization is three simple steps, and one is knowing what you want. So I want the ball in the hole on a putt. Uh, maybe if you're hitting an approach shot from 150 yards, also I want the ball in the hole. If you're on the tee, I want my ball to end up at that exact spot in the middle of the fairway. Once you set that up, then you can then determine how you're going to get there. And for me, that's uh, you know called visualization or imagining how you're going to hit the ball. And for a lot of people, they hit good shots, but it doesn't end up where they want because they don't plan how it's going to get there. So, for example, if the wind is gusting left to right and the fairway slope left to right, if you aim right at the flag and hit the ball straight, that ball's going to go to the right and kick off to the right. So I tell people you always got to consider the environment, what your game is, what kind of shot you hit, then determine how it's actually going to fly in the air, land, bounce, roll, and stop. And the greatest players, in fact, almost every player on tour today, they all visualize their shots from start to finish. And the, you know, one of the greatest that's ever done this is Jack Nicklaus. And he remembers shots that he took 40 years ago because of his visualization ability. And it's something that's really simple. I think anyone can do it. It just takes a little you know, training, if you will, and that's what, uh, what we talk about. So in, in the book, we have illustrations for how you can visualize um, a line that goes to where you want it to go. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the book, The Third Principle, The Visualize the Shot, you have a quote. Uh, to open the chapter by Annika Sorenstam, and I really like this one. She says, I close my eyes and I see the shot. I look at the ball and see the type of shot I have in my mind. I see it fly, and then I see it land. It's a way of seeing the result before you do it. I visualize the end result. Great. Powerful, huh? Yeah, really good. That's it. That's why she's Annika. I mean, yeah. uh, and then she she's done that with not only every shot, but her career and what she wants to do with her life in the next chapter too. So it's it's pretty amazing how that one technique can be so powerful. And and what what she liked about it, she you know she visualizes what she wants in the end. And she, in in that quote, she never talks about and then I think about where my elbow is or where my head is. <laughs> she doesn't talk about any of that. Mm-hmm. In her mind, she's already hit the shot that she wants. And I think to me to me that's like that's most of it. And once you do that, then it's just trusting and committing to it. And that's something that uh, what I've noticed working with a lot of, uh, you know, over 7,000 people over the last few years is that a lot of people don't commit to their visualization. Hmm. So in other words, they, they know what they want, they see a line, and then they step up, and the next thing, do, the doubt creeps in, and they're like, hmm, do I want to hit this club or that club? Do I want to hit the high or low? And, and they get stuck in the middle. And as a result, that affects the quality of the shot, and they get kind of that middle-range shot. Um, so I tell people that once you see your line, you commit to it 100%, that's when you're going to hit your best shot. And if you, if you do step up and doubt creeps in for whatever reason or you get distracted, that's a, a sign to stop, step back, start it over again. In, in the middle of the chapter, you talk about visualize the shot off the golf course. What does that mean? Same thing in your life. So, uh, you know, we... 
for most of us uh, amateur golfers, uh, you know, we have another life. We work, we have family, uh, we have personal uh, personal achievement. And what I tell people is that, you know, again, you ask that question, well, what do you want in your life? And a lot of times people give me that deer in the headlights look like, uh, I don't know, I've never really thought about it. So if you don't really have a goal for what you want to achieve in your life, a lot of times you're kind of rudderless. You're kind of moving in all different directions. You may be moving in the right general direction, but really not having that focus to head to where you want to go. So I tell people, what do you want in your life professionally? What do you want in your life uh, personally? What do you want in your life physically and emotionally, uh, financially? Uh, what do you want to achieve? Where do you want to be? And then once you set that and you have a goal, that sets everything in motion towards that goal. And then, again, visualizing how you're going to achieve it. And, and really, at that point, you got to have to get out of your own way because we tend to self-sabotage. We tend to get in our own way a lot and trip over ourselves. And I say, hey, don't, don't sabotage yourself. Just go for it. Right. And that's what you got to do in golf, too. You know, you got to right. see what you want, say what you want, see it, and then go for it. Don't say, oh, I don't know if I can hit this shot or, uh, you know, I'm worried about the guy I'm playing against. He just got to step up, commit, and let it go. And that's when people play their best. They get into that peak performance mode or the zone, if you will. And am, am I getting ahead of myself, or did I miss an opportunity to bring up the idea that I, I read that I just thought this was so cool when you you told a person to listen? Yes, listen. Well, I I, I think a lot of times when we're on the golf course, we kind of get up in our head and we don't pay attention to what's happening. And so one of the exercises that we talk about is really heightening all your senses. And uh, we see, we smell, we taste, we feel, and we hear. So does this fall under the feel part? This this is kind of the feel part. Yeah, yeah. okay, good. Then I did miss my yeah, part. Okay, well, then and, I'm glad and, I So that. we're going stepping back a little bit. But what it is is when, when you're on the putting green, uh, you know, listening for that ball falling in the cup. And what that does is that, that ball falling in, in the cup and rattling, that sound is your end goal. That's what you want to achieve. And so if you're listening for it, subconsciously your body then says, oh, that's my goal. I want to achieve that. And it raises your level of performance and really focuses you on achieving that goal. So it's a very powerful tool to do on the golf course. And a lot, one of the, the, the exercises I talk about is about hitting some putts, uh, setting it up, lining it up, saying what you want, seeing the line, and then you know, setting up and closing your eyes and just letting it go and listen for that sound. It's amazing how well you can play with your eyes closed. Well, yeah. even, even listening on the fairway, you know? Yes. I mean, how many times when you hear a shot, you, can, you don't even have to be watching your playing partner. You can hear it and go, oh, you hit that fin. Yep. Oh, you hit that fat. Oh, that sounded great. That's right. You know? Um, it's all connected. And, and another thing is a lot of people always say, well, you know, I, I keep lifting my head up. I keep looking. And I say, well, all you need to do instead of thinking about, you know, keeping my head down is just listen for the sound. Once you hear the sound of the ball, of the club striking the ball, then you can look all you want. Mm -hmm. right? But listen for that sound, that crisp sound, and then boom, that connects you also. One of the favorite quotes that I receive from a listener is something that his dad used to say to him all the time is this, if you lift your head up early, the only thing you're going to see is a bad shot. <laughs> oh, love it. Love okay. It. So where do we go next here? Uh, we got to, number three was visualize. And That's right. One was balance, two was feel, three was to visualize the shot. And uh, four is called creating your own pre-shot ritual. 
And uh, obviously, everyone knows about pre-shot routines, doing the same thing before every shot. And that you don't call it a routine; you call it a ritual. Yeah, and and the reason why is when I, I you know, was writing, I go, "What's a ri- routine to me is something that you do. It's mundane. It's boring. It doesn't really have much of an impact. It's something you just kind of do automatically, and, and doesn't really have much meaning. To me, rituals are more meaningful. They're more significant in your life, and they're very they're personal." And a client said this the other day. He said, well, gosh, that sounds like it's really personal. I go, it is. You want to create a ritual that's yours. Don't try to be Tiger. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be your friend down the road when you're doing a pre-shot ritual. You've got to create one that works for you. And once you do that, it's yours. You own it. And it's something that helps you get into your zone and play your, your best. So that's why I really like the word ritual rather than routine. Mm. And, you know, we all have rituals. You know, we have rituals that we do daily. Some people wake up in the morning, every morning, and they go for a walk or run, or they they sit quietly and meditate, or they grab a newspaper and a cup of coffee. It sets the tone for the day. And same thing when uh, I tell people when they go to work or they go to school, before diving into a project, prioritize. What's the most important thing you need to work on first? And then go into it, and that immediately raises your level of performance. And uh, that's what I tell people to do in golf. Have a ritual that you can do every single time before a shot that raises your level of performance. Why this is important? In the game of golf, you're out there for four some odd hours plus the time before, you know, getting there and warming up. And uh, in reality, you're only playing golf, as you know, for three, two or three minutes. You know, a couple seconds of swing, 90 shots, 180 seconds. So only two or three minutes you're actually physically playing the game of golf, which means that there is a lot of downtime on the golf course. And three hours and 57 minutes of downtime. So a lot of distractions. So the distractions that uh, everything from, you know, waiting for your playing partners, looking for your ball, uh, analyzing your swing, looking for the cart, uh, beverage cart, talking on the cell phone, these are all distractions. So what you need to do is when it's time to hit your shot, at the literally, literally snap of a finger, you then focus, and that's when you go into that ritual. Mm-hmm. Real powerful. Snap so, and, and again, this is this can be learned by anybody. And a lot of people say, "Well, gosh, I have no, I have a very short attention span." I go, "Can you concentrate for a few seconds?" And everyone says, "Yeah." So uh, it's intimidating to say that I'm going to concentrate for four hours really, really hard because no one does that very well, and it, quite honestly, it hurts when you do that. <laughs> it's supposed to be fun on the golf course. So I tell people, you're only going to have to concentrate for seconds at a time, total of about three minutes, and if you can do that, then this game, you're going to play at your best. And oh, man. So that's why we t- tell people to walk through the ritual, create a ritual that works for you, and it's almost, you know, you snap your fingers, and then, boom, you're in that zone. If you only knew how tough it was for me to focus for 30 minutes of an interview. <laughs> but this has been very simple. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, ADD boy. Um, so, listen. Well, it's funny, you mentioned ADD, right? So yeah. I've, had, um, I've worked with, I'd say, at least a dozen kids who have been diagnosed ADHD. And that, for some of the uh, listeners who don't, that's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And in, in that, you know, a lot of people write them off. They say, oh, they'll never be able to play golf because they can't focus. And parents and, and grandparents that have brought them to me say, you know, is this something they could do? I certainly, in fact, it's, you'd be amazed how well they do. And they come do the program, and we teach them these little techniques that they can really just focus just like that. And it's amazing how you can see the change in demeanor over the two and a half hours that they're with us how they can just literally, at the snap of a finger, 
focus and concentrate. And uh, I get a lot of uh, emails from folks and parents that said how, how helpful that's been. Well, it's interesting with the new studies that are coming about, coming out about ADD and ADHD um, and my personal experience, but um, it, it really is an ability to hyper-focus as well. Yeah. Which is really interesting. It's not just you're distracted by everything. It's that you're absorbing everything that's going on. That's right. And so being able to hyper-focus is really great for golf. Yeah, and yeah. that's what you need to do, uh, you know, no matter who you are and what your background is. And you really need to focus for that just split second. And once you get that in golf, that makes it a lot easier when you're at work or with your with when you're with your child yeah. or with your you know you're you're doing something on your own. So it's really it's really neat to see it transfer out out to the rest of the your life too. Exactly. Hey, Darren, listen, um, we've pretty much run out of time today. Okay. And I'd like to tease the listeners and ask you to come back next week. You bet. But. You'll just stick around, and we'll record another interview right <laughs> Let's do now. It. Let's do it. But you want to do that? Is that fine? That's I, good. I, I, I've got We've only gotten up to number four, and I have questions about number four, so let's do four <laughs> through seven. Okay. And uh, let's tell everyone again that uh, they should just go check out spiritofgolfhawaii.com. Uh, and, of course, there's no spaces. It's all one word, spiritofgolfhawaii.com, and it's uh, part of the Spirit of Golf Academy Mastering the Mental Game of Golf. There's a book. There's DVDs. You should definitely check it out. And we'll have part two of this conversation next week. All right? Darren, thanks a lot. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Fred. 